episode for you guys because uh, uh i got to sit down with three members of the sapanioi roti tradition um nertatis uh artua and junertos um this was uh, this was uh, a second try because uh, the thing the first time i tried to just talk with uh artua and junertos um back when ricky was uh, my temporary host and uh because my computer was, I don't know if it was, it just was missing an update or whatever it was, but it, it, it froze halfway through the interview. So the first 40 minutes were completely lost, deleted. So, um, so I finally was able to uh, reschedule and, and sit down with those guys. And then we had Nertatis, who's got this amazing deep voice. So um, yeah, it was a good interview. Uh, but first, um, because it was just me, uh, Renagara was not able to make it because you uh, are a creature of the night. So uh, I can only schedule that during the day. I am a creature of the night. Um, so before we get Look, to the- 12, 12 to 15 hours ahead of us, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, Junertos is, uh, that was the tricky one was trying to get him back on because he's over uh, in Australia. I think uh, uh, Tasmania specifically. Uh, yeah. Really tricky trying to organize, trying to organize with that guy, but um, it was all good. We, we had a good interview and um, yeah, good times, good times, good information. And then because uh, on top of talking about their tradition, we also went over uh, the, you know, how they de uh, developed their, um, rituals and uh prayers and devotion and um and how and, and going by going through how they do it uh it, it kind of sets a blueprint of how others could uh you know apply it to their practice and whatnot great i'm looking forward to listening to it i'm sad i wasn't able to make it but unfortunately being a creature of the night daytime stuff is difficult for me yeah <laughs> It happens. It happens. Um, but I am looking forward to hearing it. But um, 
before we get into the interview, uh, might as well just knock out the the next Cinebus's Bolgon uh, virtue, which is do no evil. Um, I'll uh, I'll read the thing from their site, which is just as the Belgae were comprised of many different peoples, so too should the modern Bolgoi ab abhor. I don't like that word. Uh, abhor discrimination based on race, gender, sexual orientation, or any immutable characteristic. Those who speak ill of the gods and do not pay them the respect they are due are not to be considered bolgoi. Those who evade their responsibilities to their comrades, family, and, and to their personal goals are likewise not to be considered bolgoi. Uh, this one is uh, actually kind of goes with um, the interview, uh, uh, which is because what, what I'm reading here is uh, something that I've noticed in a lot of the uh, Gaulish traditions is kind of the uh, uh, social justice and just uh, standing up against things like racism, white supremacy, uh, uh, you know, homophobia, transphobia, just all of these nasty, horrible things that are, are sadly still kind of creeping around our society. Well, there's two separate sections to this. There's the first part, which is um, the the discrimination being something that's not tolerated in the Bulgari, which I love of all of the of the modern Gaulish customs that we've talked that we talked about or talked to, um, is that they don't they don't discriminate based on anything like that, which for me is a big deal, being both um, uh, queer as all get out uh, and gender fluid. So I, I appreciate it uh, very, very much. It makes, it makes for a much more safe and comfortable environment. Uh, and I think that that's important, especially when it comes to something as intimate as religion and faith. Absolutely. And uh, even on like the Tata Galatian uh, and, and Gaul chat on, uh, on Discord, because um, I'll go through there and I'll, I'll go through the introductions and see, just kind of see who a lot, where and who are. Uh, uh, honestly, because I think I've said it before, like I, I like to go through there and see uh, who has joined that server uh, after listening to us. Um, but another little neat thing I like to do is because in their in their introduction, they, they are required to at least give like the general area where they're from. And I've noticed a lot of uh, a lot of folks in Brazil have been joining, so that's that's a really cool thing to see. That's just, so neat. Yeah, um, I know we we've got a couple of people from Puerto Rico, um, and by we I just mean yeah. the uh, Gaulish polytheism in general. Yeah, there's Puerto Rico, uh, Brazil. Just uh, it's it's really cool, and uh, I, I like that it's there's no you know gatekeeping about you know where you're from or, or anything like that. But to, but to your point, you did, yeah, the, the second part of this is just, um, I guess the word to describe it. it is, is uh, like blasphemy, just speaking of the gods, which um, I have personal experience while you don't even want to make jokes. So um, before I get into that story, uh, your, your thoughts on the second part. So I really like this a lot. Um, we're going to break it down a little bit while we talk about it. Uh, those who speak ill of the gods and do not pay them the respect they are not that they are due are not to be considered bulgoi. So I have two mind two uh, minds. Of, I'm of two minds of this. Let me just re-embrace my English language that is my native language, and I'm failing at. Um, 
on the one hand, I really love that um, because we shouldn't speak ill of the gods um, and we shouldn't disrespect them and not give them the respect that they're due. On the flip side, this is a very strict way to kind of like shove in not being able to make jokes or in, in good humor um, things about, you know, jokes about deities and, and whatnot which for me is very frustrating because I come from a Celtic pagan background, like a, a Irish Celtic pagan background. And I don't know if you know any Irish Celts, but literally their entire mythology is just stories about stupid crap their gods have done. Um, and they have a sense of humor. And I think that like, for me, we have to remember that they, they have a sense of humor um, and that it's okay to lovingly tease or lovingly just kind of joke about uh, as long as it's done in a manner that is sincere and that it is coming from a loving place and not a spiteful diminutize diminutize no that's not the right word Demeaning. There we go. <laughs> there you go. You uh, as long as it's not coming from an actual demeaning place, um, because you can't look at the history of any religion and not just be like, what were you thinking in that moment? <laughs> like, where did you go from this lady's pretty to I fell off a horse fighting a war and landed on a crow and then fell down a river like you can't not look at it and just be able to be like well there was a choice made there yeah. <laughs> and it, kind it, of laugh about it a little it, bit yeah and um, uh it, and like you said like uh you know i, I it, yeah thinking about a lot of uh, uh irish celtic mythology yeah there, there's a lot of jokes that are kind of like written in there and honestly, the same thing could be said with uh, uh, Norse mythology, which is where I kind of started was uh, was a Norse, more Norse or Germanic background. And yeah, there's a lot of uh, jokes built into that mythology as well. Um, but uh, I actually have, so earlier on when I first got into uh, paganism and polytheism, way, I think this is well before I, I even knew that there was a Gaulish community. Uh, a friend of mine, were having a conversation on Discord and I made a joke about Thor, and no joke, uh, two weeks later, or at least within within two weeks, their house got struck by lightning, and that's when I learned that, because um, like you said, the gods have a sense of humor, but they don't, certain ones don't necessarily like being the punchline, and Thor does not like being part of the punchline. There is, uh, well, it depends. It depends, in my opinion. Um, Norse have some ability to joke a little bit. Um, the Hellenic crowd does not. They do not have that teasing sort of relationship with their deities. But in both Island Celtic and Pan Celtic, I've not come across anywhere in, in the Celtic spectrum at least in my experience, where we don't have a sort of loving disrespect for our deities. Not like real disrespect, but kind of like a loving, 
okay, you're telling me I shouldn't do this, but do we need to circle back around to when you did this thing? Uh, I, I get what you what mean. Yeah. I thought here, this was a train wreck. You're telling me not to do this thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so there's there's sort of a, a, a sort of loving disrespect to to having deities that did sort of walk amongst us, so to speak. Yeah, totally. Sorry, I can hear my dog fussing. He's mad. He wants to go out. Oh, it's all good. Poor puppers. Fine. <laughs> Um, but the other half of it, I really I very much agree with. Um, evading responsibilities to your fellow Bogoy, to your family, to your personal goals, things like that, is dishonorable, to put it in a, in a very blunt sort of fashion. Um, and so I do, like this, this particular one, I agree with strongly, but I also kind of shake my head out a little bit but just that one section and that may be coming from my my background for for irish uh irish celt background yeah. for for faith but and perhaps the fact that i've got two fairy irish deities um that i worship so it's a it's six of one i uh i do really agree with it. for the most part i very much agree with it yeah now that I've rambled a little bit, that's all good. It's I think like the key thing with uh, with you know our spiritual path is that it's it comes down to personal experience because you know you like you said with yours uh, a lot of the uh, uh, you know insular and you know the the Irish Celtic deities are a lot more uh, good humored uh, whereas with me it was it was mainly thor i've made jokes about other deities and like not really had the uh, an incident but um uh i think that, i mean that's kind of the thing about building relationship with certain deities and, and and kind of getting to know them um yeah like i know thor like likes a good joke but i in from my personal experience he did not like being the punchline of a joke and actually the joke wasn't even that good i will not repeat it here basically i just <laughs> It was it was like a poor poor joke. It, it was a poor joke from like a like a really bad ro like roast. <laughs> yeah, it yeah it, it all it all comes down to personal experience. But um, as long as you're not like openly mocking, I think that's kind of what uh, the the Bulgoy virtue vir yeah Bulgoy virtue is here is that as long as you're not openly insulting or mocking um if, if you know if you if it's just like if it's like you know if it's all in good fun if it's just good good humor uh, like you know like you would joke around with like a, a close friend or a family member <laughs> Welcome to Godcast, and it's the long-awaited second take of this interview, and we have an extra person. So first we have um, Artois, we have Drew Neritos, and Nertatis from um, Zapanioi Roti uh, coming to talk to us today. Um, why don't we, uh, each of you, just uh, introduce yourselves real quick. Sure. So yeah, my name is Nertatis. I'm the Atadawinos of Zapanioi Roti. So 
the leader, the torchbearer. Um, I've been college politics for just under a year and a half. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to be on. Big fan. Awesome. Hello, I'm Artois. I am one of the Tonktos of Sipanioi Roti. Um, and I am one of the Watis or diviners of Tuta Galatian. Uh, I'm Janetas. I'm also one of the Tanktos. Uh, I'm also the Obatos of Tutiklashion, and I'm also a member of Mental and Volcom. Right on, right on. Yeah, so um, it, it took a while, but we finally are uh, getting back to talking about uh, not only um, your guys' tradition, but uh, also going into uh, crafting uh, uh, rituals, devotion, and the different ways one could go about it. And uh, we'll definitely go uh, do that through uh, your guys' the lens of your guys' tradition. Um, so I think the, the first one's a very fairly obvious question. Um, how did uh, SR get started? Oh, you think that's a straightforward question, but um, it's pretty roundabout. <laughs> um, I, I came in, when did I come in? I came in actually at the spring equinox um so coming up on a year soon um and it had already been started and it was kind of a, a loosely held idea of, of um being uh focused on Tyrannus and the wheel and the you know the the turning of the cosmos and action and really trying to um to to better the world based on based on these things but also on everyday small devotive acts so shower cultists, um, baking. I don't. I don't know if I, I don't think baking was part of it, but that's certainly something in my household that we that we do making bread and that sort of thing. It's a small everyday act um, to show devotion. And for the the May Comerton, I think last year we ended up doing a few presentations on things like that. And um, as we as we expanded on those everyday devotive acts and on the idea of action, we we first we at first we called ourselves uh, the Samotanktos, the Summer Swarm, which is a great name. I still love that name. But um, as we we focused on the action and the wheel, uh, it kept coming up the idea of like, even though we had a good reason behind it, the idea of the entire wheel, we we're only focusing on half of it by being the Summer Swarm. Um, so we became the Tanktos, the Samotanktos, um, and we took over this idea of action and rest and action and rest and um, trying to incorporate the balance between Samos and Giamos between summer and winter on a cosmic scale um, into our lives, into our practices. Um, and um, like it, we still retain a good chunk of the, the original theology, which was based on the idea of Tyrannos actively holding back chaos from completely consuming the world. So, um, very heavily based on the famed Jupiter columns of um, the Rhineland, a little bit of Brittany, and I think another region that have Tyrannos, or they have Jupiter, Jupiter on top that um, is generally interpreted to be Tyrannos because of the Gaulish nature of get the Gallo-Roman nature of those, uh, those monuments. And it's him on a horse trampling a snake-limbed giant and we really um, we expanded that into into this this theology of Theranos keeping the three worlds where they're meant to be 
um, by actively combating the the rising up of chaos. And so we we've moved to to more of this like balance between action and rest in a, in order to well in order to not burn ourselves out. Partially, that was a big part of it. That you know, it's you you need to have that balance. And so we we leaned more into our tenets of balance, spreading joy, and um, and nourishing one's own soul as you as you uh, work on your devotion to the devil. That's kind of an overview, if you will. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, yeah, that, that, that definitely, that uh, sounds really cool. Um, because I, I remember when, when they first started a discord, I think uh, Kuno Bellinus and a couple others were, I think you were there too. It was a while ago, but I remember I was drawing the, mm-hmm. the, the first logo for the, the discord um that's right yeah uh yeah that that original logo was me i love the one you guys have the the guys the the one you guys have now um i think it looks a lot better a lot less busy than the one i i had done but uh yeah um i think it uh where it is is now it's awesome Uh, i'm in the server i need to get more active in there so i apologize for that um no not at all we we loved your original original logo it um we, we ended up commissioning a, a new one as our theology evolved, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, for anyone who it's for anyone who, who isn't familiar, it was this, this beautiful interwoven like Celtic design wheel with um, three animals representing the three worlds. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. That was, that was one of my, that was one of my first attempts at uh, not work and um, it's fun. It's also super complicated. So I, <laughs> it's something I'm still working on too, but um it is i've tried it too you're 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 better at it than i am. <laughs> it took a lot of tries there was a lot of eraser marks on that page um <laughs> but uh last time we talked uh drew Nertos and uh, artois you guys were in uh, uh something called, i think you called it the house of the bull and that kind of got mixed in with uh sr is that is that correct yeah um I joined SR about three months ago um, and I was coming to a point in my practice where I didn't want to keep compartmentalizing everything and having, you know, this is for this tradition, this is for that, this is for that. I wanted to sort of meld it together a little bit. And I think that some of what we were doing lent itself to uh, Sepanoi Rakti, so how to talk with Alex and some of the um other tank toasts and yeah we agreed to sort of mesh some of it together a bit that's awesome yeah and yeah. It definitely yeah, oh i'm sorry continue oh no sorry um yeah the uh the merger actually happened before i joined stepanioi roti um but you know once i became familiar with it it was like oh this is such a natural marriage um because it does have a lot of common themes viewed from different perspectives, specifically um, the seasonality of House of the Bull of uh, Besus Atidros, I think I pronounced that right, um, uh, combined or, um, you know, against the, uh, the balance themes in Sepanio Eroti. Awesome. Yeah. And I remember when, uh, I vaguely remember uh, when, uh, you guys were on your last explaining it to me and uh hearing what um sapani Sep- roti is now it, it it did it does sound like it was like a match made in heaven type of thing 
Yeah, I think that we we really fed off each other, and I think part of it too is that you know um, I'm going to say CBD and SR keep things easy for our, for ourselves as we go as we go ahead. But <laughs> but BBD became uh, TR. They go Serunos, if I'm not mistaken. But um, it was kind of this like my practice is uh, I don't necessarily invoke uh, a lot of Roman deities or, or Gallo-Roman deities um, together as much, but I kind of like Gaulish Mercury is a big part of my practice. And my a huge project for me has been looking into Gaulish Diana and trying to, I'm, I'm kind of spreading out there. And so the idea of having like, I think that the idea of having the Gallo-Roman side compartmentalized and then the Gallo-Britonic side compartmentalized, it was just, it like Jornetos would say, it just felt like it, we were kind of pushing things into these different boxes when we're all working on the same same stuff. Um, so it felt good to to bring it all together and to um, to combine it, and we can also then rely on each other's strengths uh, a little a little more without having to. I, th I think Jornetos is more than happy to hand over some of the administrative side stuff to myself and Puno. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of the same, but when I was, uh, yeah, um, you know, before BNG, which uh, is, I'm, I'm one of the founding members of, uh, uh, trying to like kind of figure out where I am. I, I and, and yeah, so I, I definitely relate to uh, a, a lot of that. Um, speaking of uh, Gaulish Diana, uh, the Helvetti had, uh, uh, and Darda is someone you may, you may want to look into, just, just throwing that out there. It, it made me think of her as soon as you said Gaulish Diana, but yeah. Uh, um, uh, anyway, uh, you, you cannot. I will talk about her for so long. <laughs> Perfect. I right on. I appreciate. And that. I, I could be wrong, but I believe um, someone on this uh, this chat is actually working on an article on on Darty right now. Ooh. Oh boy, yeah. But what isn't what isn't Junertos not working on? Those too many negatives. But anyhow, that boy does too much. <laughs> you too I, I feel you drew i'm I, i'm constantly giving myself extra jobs and hobbies and just, yeah <laughs> i've uh i'm slowly exper i'm slowly experimenting with making a uh because i've gotten into dungeons and dragons and i'm slowly making a gaulish inspired dungeons and dragons adventure because i don't have enough to do oh bud oh we should talk <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so, uh, okay, and I mean, that, that first overview answered a couple of these questions I had, like, um, you know, what makes, um, you know, uh, Sapanio Roti uh, kind of different from the other tradition, traditions, but I think you already answered that already. Um, well, I can, I can get into it a little more. Um, uh, go for it. Go for it. Like we, can, we can dive deeper into, into these things. So, I mean, um, a big part of it was that when we started talking about the, the theology of, of being active and trying to change the world and, and this sort of thing is that um, when we went to make our website and to, to try and pick a direction for what we're going to do that we were essentially like, we can't talk a big game about being active in the world and in our communities and then not actually do stuff. So when we set up, um, how we would function, how we would act. We came up with this idea of um, it's hunts and feasts is, is how I, I describe it. So Selga and uh, Samaros 
Samaros literally meaning summer fallow. So this time when you're you're resting after the after the harvest and when your your fields are are growing back in um, ahead of ahead of the fall. So it's it's this idea of these periods of activity based on the the mythic hunts. You especially see it in in Welsh mythology. We also see it in a lot of the art uh, from continental Celtic societies. Of it's actually pretty similar to the to the the Cavadie the uh, the Jupiter columns of the rider on the the horse um, charging down a boar or what have you, and it's it's very tied into that order succeeding over chaos so that society can thrive so that um, art can can thrive it's very tied to the the um to kingship and and the foundation of society and and all this sort of thing it, and so um it was just this idea of us collaborating and coming together and trying to affect change um in as meaningful ways we can achieve we won't always be you know perfect in that regard but trying to come together and at least move towards a goal together so our first Selga is going to kick off on um, February 1st after our uh, Ios Vagantia ritual. So uh, after this episode, uh, before this episode comes out, I mean, um, we'll, have, we'll have kicked off by then. So it's in full swing now if you're listening to this. But um, we're going to be focusing on a value. We were trying to figure out, do we focus on like a particular form of activism? Do we focus on how do we how do we resolve this but we're pretty scattered across the globe and a big part of being active in communities being active in your community so we decided to focus on a on on a value and so we focused on hospitality uh is roughly the translation it's one of um virtues and yeah we just we just wanted to to pick something that regardless of where you are in your life, regardless of what's going on with you or within your community, it's just a, this, this ability to, to, as a group, look at what that virtue means to us. And whether that's, you know, I really work to, need to work on setting boundaries for myself. Um, I need to work on, you know, boundaries in my family. We're all stuck inside together a lot for the last couple of years. Uh, boundaries have been really important. <laughs> and so that's, ties into, into hospitality but it's also you know um how do i better how do i better respect the the original inhabitants of the, the colonized land that i live on how do i how do i help people who don't necessarily have a home um or a place to turn to so it's we're all going to take different paths with it um but where we have the chance to overlap um I think we're going to do we're going to do as much as we can. A few a few things I'm looking at. Um, I'm really hoping that we can look into house spirits. It's been a thing that we've talked a lot about in the server, and it's something that I'm super interested in. I'm reading um, the Couture's, uh book on house spirits. That that guy is so good. If, if you're not familiar with him, um, I'm going to try to find his his full name. But um, uh, yeah, here it is. I've got. We're going to print you off of one of his books, but I, I also bought the book. I just, <laughs> uh, Claude Le Couture. So he, he, he does a great job where he looks at, especially medieval sources, um, but he, he wrote a book on, on house spirits and he ties it back to, to more ancient sources and tries to draw these themes across, um, across especially, especially focused on Europe. So it, it, it's, 
really fascinating to see um, the different relationships with house spirits and we, we want to maybe build that out and that ties into hospitality. So where we differ is that we, we hesitated to call ourselves a tradition. We've decided on, on a war band, um, Corios, I believe, um, because we, we really wanted to, to have this idea of collectively where we can accomplish something. We're not always going to have the energy individually to, to always be doing something, but as a collective war band, we can each step up and, and work on things to, to try and affect change. So Adiwa Brigantia, because she's, she's this goddess of, of, you know, the, the high places, the opidum, the, the protective areas We're we're, um, we're going to donate some, some money to, to, to a group that, that, um, helps feed people just out of, you know, this is, this is the time of year that is very cold in this half of the world. Um, the half that I'm in at least. And it's, it's trying to, to literally put our money where our mouth is, um, and try to, to engage in some sort of of basic change before we we kind of take the next steps. That's yeah. awesome. So that's, that's so we're a little we're a little different from from some <laughs> other groups in, in that regard, but certainly everybody has a bit of that going on. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's that's awesome. Um, I know some people are trying to put uh, you know uh, activism in their uh, their practices, their personal cultists. Um, and and yeah, I mean that, uh, and that's actually something I'm going to um, touch on in a um, YouTube video I'm making uh, uh, here soon, soon-ish. I don't know when I'm going to be able to get around to it, but um, but to, uh, covering the uh, uh, the Gaul's Virtue Gala, which you know, uh, uh, courage and stuff like that. And I was going to kind of lean that into uh, activism, um, but yeah, that that's. That's actually really cool that you guys do that. I mean, I know it's like uh, like a like a small talking point for some traditions, but to have that be like uh, such a like a, a, a center focus is that that's awesome. It's commendable. Yeah, we're just trying to, to set a foundation for it at the very least. If you want to talk to Artisetos from from SR, he's been he's been a big driving force behind that. He wrote our our um, web page on, on social justice cultists. He's a great resource for it and. You can talk about it for hours. <laughs> That's awesome. Sorry, um, right, my uh, little one's running around naked now. Oh, yeah. That sounds a good time. I mean, it, it's all, it's winter time. But why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, so we're going to kind of shift into, uh, because you guys are, are probably one of the younger, uh, you know, traditions, uh, within Gaul's polytheism, um, just talking about, uh, you know, crafting and creating, uh, rituals and, uh, devotion and, uh, and prayers and, and how you guys go about that, uh, and, uh, Sorry, these are old notes I'm going through. That's all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I can I can start on that, but I'll certainly certainly need some input from um, Junertos and, and Artua. Um, so with with SR, with um, I I ended up trying to write our 
or ritual format um, pretty early on. Um, and I'm pretty new to, to polytheism and paganism and, and the whole nine yards. Um, I came in from an, an ADF side and I mean, grew up in a roughly Catholic uh, family. So like big, long rituals, it, it feels right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, But uh, <laughs> we've kind of pared it down, but what I, um, the direction I, I took when, when I started working on it was really looking at the evidence towards Gaulish cultic practice. And, and I really got interested in the Romano-Celtic fandom, or their, the temple, that um, what it is is that it's this, this core space that in, in Latin they call a kella, with, with a door on one side. Every source I've read seems to put it in a different direction, that they're like, oh, it's usually east or south. But it, I, no one seems to, to necessarily agree on it. Maybe I need to, to dig in a little deeper, but it, I didn't end up uh, settling on, on a direction for, for that. But it has this covered area built around it traditionally. And what was really interesting is that it, it's generally believed to be for circumambulation. So, you know, for a procession around the outside of the space. And I'm, I think that that's certainly part of it. But I read an interesting article where someone, um, someone in the archaeology world uh, put forward that it, it was also likely a place to um, put votive offerings, that um, the covered area and some of the other evidence around it may have been to for, for people to come and leave offerings either before entering the temple or um, or or just for for everyday offerings and so looking at that that kind of tied into um, the idea of, of uh, invoking some some protective deities going into it um, and and kind of that was that was an early early starting point, um, obviously built off of the work of uh, Segomaros and his, his ritual format. Um, but we ended up, ended up settling on is that inside that, that temple space, there's generally either an offering bed or a fire of, of some kind. Sometimes there'd be an altar. Or, I mean, the Nodens temple had like three rooms. It was, it was much larger than your, your kind of typical one. But having that, that central fire as, as uh, a focus for or as a, a place of offering. So in our ritual format, we generally invoke uh, Bregantia or for Rios Bregantia, I, I believe where it will be invoking Belenos um, for, for the lights, but also as an intermediary between ourselves and the Dewoy. Um, so that, uh, it, and it's something that comes up in, you know, the idea of a gatekeeper and in, in Segomaris's um, ritual format generally invokes Kernunos. Uh, but for us, we, we ended up going more of a more of a like uh, more of more of this protective deity that that helps form that connection, and especially Vigantia, who we see as as this this goddess of of the opium of, of the and the signal fire, being the in between between us and Uranic forces, I suppose. But also, we're not necessarily like locked in on an Uranic sonic divide so so the idea of the smoke and the fire and the light all all helping connect us to to the devil and um we also ended up locking in on the ancestors which um generatos you can you can jump in if you'd like or i can i can keep talking if i see your mic on mute i'll i'll shut up but 
for the Seni Saminos, I believe. It's it's a um, it's more of a Britonic word for ancestors, and it's, it refers to a collective of ancestors. Um, I don't recall the exact wording, but it um, we we invoke them with every ritual, uh, just because the, they're they're a very core part of our of our practice and and incorporating them into our, into our everyday rituals. And the other element that we that has carried through from from the beginning, from when I had these longer this longer format um, <laughs> spell that that um, that didn't necessarily survive was of um, of drinking to to kind of seal seal the whole deal. Just because I'm very I was, became very interested in in writings uh, or I don't know how to pronounce it because my Greek is non-existent, but um, that they were these drinking vessels that were found across the European um world of the, the iron age uh european world and in the gaulish world we have less evidence of them sort of but it seems to be leaning more towards perhaps things that didn't survive the archaeological record and we do certainly see um like a, there's a very famous hallstatt burial i don't recall exactly which one it was but where he had like nine drinking horns on the wall and a wagon which ties back into the wheel, of course, um, <laughs> with the, the wagon wheels. Um, just as a way that uh, the horns and antlers, I, I, I had a whole talk about it, there's a YouTube video um, on the Tutaglation yeah, page of, of me talking about um, horns and antlers as, as this connection to the Dewey, this, this protective sort of, um, uh, forgetting the term, but this protective element to them, but also this intermediary between ourselves and the divine. And so drinking a horn of mead or water or what have you in order to, to seal it, uh, seal the whole thing. And so I've incorporated that into my daily ritual as um, when I take my, my medication, which I just take, I drink uh, the water that I use for my ritual and I uh, wash down my medication. And so it's, it ties into that everyday little acts that tie into our, our actual daily rituals that aren't necessarily uh, motive, but that, that we, we then move towards incorporating the Dewey into them. Um, so those are some of the key elements that, I've, that I, I, I built, built up and then the rest of us are either, uh, either built on or, or tamped down because I was getting pretty carried away and it was going to be a 45-minute daily ritual. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll hand things over to, to either the, the rest of the crew if uh, you want to want to add on that or because, um, uh, yeah, that was just uh, a bit of the background on it. Yeah, um, so I'll add that as one of the Tanktos, um, one of the things I like most about Sepanioli Roti's rituals, because I guess I should start by saying, I I'm kind of the opposite of Nertatis in that ritual doesn't come naturally to me. Um, I wasn't really raised in any faith tradition, just kind of generically Christian, you know, like a lot of American kids born in the eighties were. Um, so, Ritual to me has always felt kind of very, both very special and very unnatural. Um, so I, first of all, I will say, Nertatis, you did a great job at paring down um, from, thank you for not having a 45 minute <laughs> I appreciate that. daily ritual. Um, but 
the thing that makes it the most appealing to me is that it does have this emphasis on the self and taking care of yourself because, you know, one of my, my life philosophies is very much that idea of you can't pour from an empty cup. And that involves pouring for both other people and pouring into your practice. If you're not taking care of yourself, then you're not giving your best to your practice, to the day way, et cetera. So, um, so that's, that's my, my little two cents there is that that's my favorite thing about these rituals is that they do focus on nurturing yourself as much as you nurture your practice. Yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. Uh, I remember when uh, I talked to you guys last time, we kind of went on a, um, uh, a discussion where, because um, uh, I know Drew Nertos and uh, you are to, um, you kind of were on, uh, like Drew Nertos, you're more about like, you know, write, writing down the ritual or the, the, the prayer or or what it is beforehand kind of like mapping it out whereas uh archway you're more like me where i kind of like do like i perform it in the moment i kind of do what feels right type of thing um i mean how has that changed between has any of that changed between now and then are you more like on the fly winging it type of thing or um because i know uh like even though in, in bng we also have uh um based our ritual format on uh, Sega Maros's um, uh, format in his book. Uh, I still kind of do things on the fly though. Uh, like uh, like uh, when, I, when I try to do just small little rituals throughout the day, uh, I, I, I try to do it, you know, uh, based on what we've, what we've come up with, but it's, it's very um, less formal, I guess, uh, uh, I guess uh, is the best way I can describe it. Um, I mean, are you still, uh, are you guys still very much like that where uh, during just you like to, you know, write it down and, um, and, and go by the book or are you more, uh, or art and art, are you still kind of like uh, winging it type of thing? Um, I would say that I probably wing it roughly a little bit more. Yeah, I, I follow a set sort of structure. You know, where I call the gods, I give some epithets for kennings i ask or thank what i'm going to do and then give my offerings but for holidays i do usually write out a ritual and i just perform that ritual as i've written it but daily i yeah i sort of just pray to whoever i'm feeling like in the moment yeah i think appropriately um we have found we've probably both found a little bit more balance in our, our uh, ritual practices. And, you know, Drew, correct me if I'm wrong uh, in saying that, but I still operate mostly on the fly. Um, not, not even so much on the fly as instinctively, you know, it's, it's thought out, but it's not thought out in advance. It's very methodical in the moment, letting my gut lead me, letting my, my guides lead me. Um, but I do operate a lot more within the framework of the rituals provided by Sapanyoi Roti. You know, start with the cleansing, then the, uh, the sanctification, a sacred fire. There's the workings, the uh, invocation, and the closing. Um, I think I mixed up the order in there a little bit, but that's, you know, 
it, it's a fairly simple recipe. Uh, it's, it's a little bit like cooking. Once you know the rules, you can improvise a little bit more. So. I didn't, I didn't notice if you got them out of order, so, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still learning the rules of cooking, sadly. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm bad at that improvising. I am someone who likes having things written down um, ahead of time, but I ended up, since I know the format a little better, um, having worked on it and, and tweaked it, I, I ended up freehanding one for the, uh, for Guillaume Moses. Uh, and that ended up being a really intense experience um, that was very rewarding. So I, I think I have it in my future to freehand them a little more, um, at least when I'm not on, on camera. The, the one on, on February 1st, I'll, I've, I've got that one written down. Uh, <laughs> it's a little more, less room for pauses. But um, even in my daily ritual, like I have, I have kind of a script that I'll, I'll follow. But um, today, Today was kind of a weird day, and I just kind of stopped and, and spoke from the heart um, a little more than, than kind of my usual script. Um, so I, I've also been, been trying to find a bit more of a balance between the two, um, and, and paring down the length of the ritual has certainly, certainly helped with that. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the lesson I had to learn, too. When I first got into uh, polytheism, um, I actually had a little journal where I would try to write things down and yeah, it, it got very drawn out and it was difficult to do on a daily basis. Then it turned into um, just full on instinct. I just did what felt right. Um, and um, I did have some really good experiences that way as well, but it also just felt like really, really informal. So I, I it was um, trying to like what, like what you all said, like it was trying to find that balance. Like, uh, like what I do now is a lot different than how I was even um, I don't know, like six months, six, seven months ago when we, we recorded this the first time. Um, I, I do have a little bit more structure. Um, and uh, and um, the, the, yeah, the, a, lot of, like, a lot of the nuances I'm trying to um, kind of uh, apply more like, uh, like you mentioned earlier in the the, uh, um, there's kind of a discussion on which way your altar should face. I know in BNG, they, I think we've established that it should face, uh, face east. Uh, unfortunately, the way my house is set up, it's just not possible. So it's facing west. But uh, I think, yeah. I think what it comes down to is it's it's mainly about intent. Uh, the, the the gods are very understanding. Like they they get it. They're not like, well, you didn't do it exactly how it is written down. Holy shit! Um, no, it's just uh, they, like they, they're very understanding. Is what is my experience of it. But it is nice to try to to try to do it, you know, the the right way. Well, it's interesting because I mean, if we look at the the inspiration for our practice or the history of our practice, the the tribal nature of it meant that from one group to the next, there was some consistency between the druids, the druids who were responsible for, for passing this on, I'm sure, since um, they likely met up mm -hmm. yearly or what have you, depending on you know, sources. But I feel like the idea of, of those, those tribal practices being, being so diverse lends itself to really just trusting your, your instincts, trusting your gut and, and um, following. And I mean, that's, that's, I was always hesitant of divination, um, but 
making my own runas and just learning to use them as a as a way to trust my instinct and to to lean into that a little more i think that that's really helped me build that confidence to go and freehand this ritual a little more and and to i think that what we're trying to achieve is making sure that we pay our respects and we don't necessarily forget something that we feel is important maybe in the moment we get distracted and we forget about it so we we try to have a bit of a script but in every ritual i think we're just trying to speak from the heart and to be as present and as honest as we can coming before the dewa and and, and putting that out there so yeah i think that it's i think that that's kind of that balance that we're that we're trying to find and um i think we'll always keep kind of tweaking tweaking that i think it's it's forever and it's funny that you, you say the, the the way your house is laid out because i i did do that thing where i was like oh okay i'm gonna face it east and i get to my altar I'm like, wait it points north what am i gonna do <laughs> i can't rearrange my whole house like it's only so big yeah. <laughs> right so right. Uh, yeah a little flexibility <laughs> yeah we we in the the three years or so i've been living in this house we've rearranged that bedroom i think four times and every time i tried to have it on the on the west wall so it faces east and every time it just didn't work and i think the last time i it, we it was there it was there for a while but it was on my my fiance it was, it was basically right next to the foot of the bed on my fiance's side so she would like stub her toe on on it every single day and i was, and I was like okay oh, I, give no. up. I give up west side it is it's gonna it's gonna face west now I know that feeling. Yeah, we we just rearranged our room, so I know that that exactly. It actually feels really good, and that ties into earlier I mentioned trying to build the house spirit um, cultus, and I think that part of it is that it just feels right when it's in that spot. And you kind of have to rely on whatever the tegatis, um might maybe guiding you a little bit, and and saying, "Yeah, this is this is a better spot for it," because I have my main altar, and then we have a bookshelf, um, a built-in that just seems like a place where, you know, someone must have sat in front of and read a lot um, before we got the house. And so that, that ended up, that's going to be where I expand my ancestor practice and, and also an area for the Tegatis. And I've, I've been trying to listen to them a little more in, in that sort of, um, yeah, and how I, I lay things out. I've, I've had a few spots for, for altars that I'm trying to commission like a really cool shelf that I'm that I'm gonna make it to a, a second altar, but um wherever it ends up, I'm just gonna have to play it by ear, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And I and I uh, I I know what you mean about like uh trying to work with the Tigatis. Um that, that's actually uh, uh I'm on my altar I made a little um by made I, I went to Dollar Tree, found a little like birdhouse and I kind of modified it into like a, a, a Tagatis house uh, uh, as kind of a, cause I, I, I you know, I, I trying to do something to kind of appease that spirit. And, um, uh, and, and yeah, they, they kind you know, they, they essentially run the house from, uh, from my experience. So um, yeah, it, it's something I kind of forget like, okay. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah, after that, that last time, you know, redoing, reorganizing the, the room, uh, and like, okay, it's just going to be here. I guess this is, this is where the altar needs to be is on this wall. So. Yeah. I, I know we're going down a tangent a little bit, but it, it's, it's been, it's funny you mentioned the house because I, my, I, I did a ritual to Nantes Suelta at one point who isn't necessarily a 
Adewa, who I'm devoted to. I've, I've done a handful of rituals to her. And my wife went to Ikea and found this little metal house that's a little tea light like holder and it was perfect you put a little thing of incense in there and it comes out of the chimney and it's just perfect like it just works so, so well and um i know i didn't really settle on a relationship with Suelta, but i had it on the shelf and i was looking at it and i was like oh this is perfect for the tegatis like it's it's a little house like that's yeah exactly what it is and no one no one seemed to mind that you know borrowing it from from its original intent um and so yeah i get it it's nice to have that little iconography just saying you guys are in charge of this i had a problem with with my house where i was getting really frustrated and i think i said out loud like oh, i hate this house and i immediately felt so much regret and just went and apologized and made an offering to the tagatis <laughs> and I think we're cool. I think we're good. But <laughs> I immediately was like, I don't mean that. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> it, yeah. it was like, no, it's not, it's me. It's me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, same thing. Same thing. Like, uh, I'm just getting frustrated because, uh, I don't know, like, uh, you know, the, the, the dishwasher and dryer are acting up. Like, I had to replace the heating element for the second time since I've owned this dryer. And, and just things like little things like that that just makes you go, I, I hate this house so much and then uh then yeah I kind of I feel guilty it's like well I don't want it like I the the house is a pain in the ass but the spirit like the the spirit of the house is cool you know yeah they're trying they're, they're trying to keep the place running it's they rely on us to to, to do the the work <laughs> exactly yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> well and it, it's interesting because part of that house book that I was reading from from the story I think it I think it talks about maybe this was a rabbit hole that I went down, just the idea of, of that homes for so long, they were, they were built to last forever as long as someone was taking care of it. And that as you moved out, it would immediately start to, to degrade. And so you had to take your house spirit with you in a lot of cultures or, or set it free. Um, and so there was just this idea of, of dying into the, the SR kind of theology of constant not constant action, but of, of keeping that wheel turning of just just a little bit of work constantly to, to make sure that the house is maintained goes a long way to, to keeping that relationship going. Yeah, that's that's a neat idea. I, didn't, I never thought about like, um, you know, the, the, you know, taking the house spirit with you type of deal that kind of actually kind of leads me to uh, in, in a way and I, and I it will link to this to, to this question in a second, but um, uh, before because you know like you know like we were just talking about how like the my house isn't quite set up to have the altar in the in the spot i would like it to um i know for other people uh they're living in apartments or they're living at home and, and you know maybe like their their family aren't really uh aware that they are you know practicing paganism or you know polytheism whatever you want to call it i know some people like they they get iffy about those those terms but um like like I've I've worked on commissions for people who they want to have uh, a Delwa an idol to to work with, um, they just don't have a space for it. So I, I that's when I developed the um, the little like uh, the, the 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 little minis, the little three inch uh, figures that I made. So um, I know some people have like the, the the travel altars, like where they make them out like an Altoids Altoids can. Um, 
like, is, are there any other ideas that uh, the three of you would have for people who need to like do like maybe a travel or an improv or like a kind of discreet uh, kind of worship area? So I actually have a lot of thoughts about this. Um, having come to polytheism initially from the uh, witch community, and of course, a lot of people currently getting into witchcraft, um, whatever pantheon they may adhere to, um, they tend to be very young right now. There are a lot of people who are still at home with their parents, are living with family, people who maybe aren't so, so supportive. So there's been a lot of creative thinking about how to function, um, quote, in the broom closet. And I think a lot of that uh, translates really beautifully into a pagan polytheist kind of um, situations. So obviously the, uh, the small delwa that you offer, something like that is ideal. Um, also the idea of uh, little figurines, you know, you can find little ceramic plastic figurines, anything. Uh, you know, if you um, worship, say, uh, like I, I venerate Serona, so I could always find like a little plastic snake, you know, that just looks like a toy, right? It just looks like even a, a snake bracelet, a snake charm, something someone could keep on their dresser and it would just look like part of whatever they have. Um, in terms of other things people keep on their altar frequently, of course we see like candles or incense. And I always encourage people check out like, for the Americans out there, Bath and Body Works always has a ton of sales with those little one wick candles. Pick one that has a scent you associate with that deity. You know, your uh, kind of judgmental roommate is not going to question why you have a vanilla bean candle on a counter in your room, right? They don't know that that's what you're associating it with. Um, and one of the things I always suggest. Um, if people are into plants, I find that keeping plants is a really nice um, devotional activity. Um, it's a little bit less traditional, but it's another thing that no one's really going to question why you have a house plant. And if you care for that house plant as an act of devotion, wherever that house plant is becomes your altar. You know, you can you can put a piece of amethyst in there and say you saw it on, on TikTok, right? No one's gonna think, oh, this is obviously an offering to the house spirit that lives in this plant. They're just gonna think, oh God, why are they watching so much TikTok? Like, <laughs> so, uh, so those are some of my suggestions, yeah. Awesome, yeah, those are, those are like great ideas. Um... And uh, like you know, and it comes down to uh, you know intent. You know, if you have something that represents your your uh, whatever Tagatis or an ancestral spirit or uh, one of the Dewoy, I mean, and you're putting this this energy and and uh, devotion to it, it's it's going to work. It's going to have an effect. Yeah, I'll, um, that was good to listen to because I actually over the summer I had to, to leave our home and leave my altar behind for, for a little bit uh, for, for a while and I I said that I, I chose wrong in terms of what I what I brought with me that it just felt it felt wrong like it felt like I, I 
I lost some of the connection that I I built uh, by building my altar. And I'm about to go on on a work trip where I will not be able to bring much with me at all. Um, so I've been trying to give that some thought. Uh, Renatoros did send me a little stone. This is uh, Renus Pater idol because Renatoros is exactly the number one spokesman for uh, <laughs> for Renus Pater. And I don't necessarily have like huge connection, but it's it's a really handy little travel uh, travel piece that um, I was saying. You know, the fire we asked Brigantia to, to pass our prayers to the Dewai Cathedral and Espater being asking asking him to be that in, that intermediary for me if um, if he would. So I might work on that a little bit leading up to 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 making that choice. Um, I also have some runas that. I'll be bringing with me. Um, I've carried some on me in the past as a way to, um, so that I don't necessarily have them out, but just have them on my person. Mm. Um, and that's been, that's been a good connection. I, I pulled some runas ahead of, of something very, a very important event for me and, and carry them on my person um, during, during that event. And it, it felt, it felt right. So I'm going to probably do that as a way of, you know, ahead of, ahead of a, a trip ahead of a, a journey, if you will. Um, but otherwise, I also now now finally have a, a wheel to wear. So I'm looking for uh, that's going to be my my main piece. I'll, I'll probably be putting all of my all of my energy into that one um, to carry with me. But at, at the end of the day, like it's they're they're things, but they, they have they have the meaning to us that, that we put into them. Um, and yeah, like I, I really I really believe in in using everyday objects if you can and and just if, if you feel that connection like like Arthur you said a little little plastic toy snake is is absolutely like it's such a good way to to bring to bring uh Serona into your altar um like I mean I was gonna say you're not gonna have a live snake but I guess some people might um that'd be that'd be pretty metal um <laughs> that'd be hell, a hell of an altar <laughs> I have, I have friends who have snakes. I, I, I should ask them, but um, yeah, it's just uh, little, little, little pieces. Like I've got little feathers and stuff that I might consider bringing that I've just collected and that means something to me. So those might be pieces that I that I bring with me, and that uh, would be pretty inconspicuous. A pretty feather isn't necessarily going to raise any eyebrows. Um, I guess depending, maybe if, de depending on on how on where you are i guess but <laughs> well and uh, another thing that i always recommend that actually may serve you really well nertatis in your travel um is not to overlook the um the importance of something that's homemade in terms of like something that you draw or you write so even taking a little slip of paper um something the size that you could easily keep in your wallet and drawing a sigil or a rune or um, a few lines of poetry. Uh, if you're really artistically inclined, like our lovely host, even drawing um, the deity. And you know, that can be slipped so easily into any book nearby. It can be slipped into your wallet. It's the most easily transportable thing. And then, you know, if you make it so that it's like a little tent, you can even stand it up around your altar and have your little your little paper Delwas 
there with you wherever you go. Great idea. That's a great idea. I'm gonna uh, have to do that. I yeah, right on. I've, you you've gotten you've gotten the the creative juices flowing there. I've got a few ideas going already. So <laughs> awesome. I love it. Uh, when I, uh, I, I I think less than a year ago, uh, went on a family reunion to uh, Yellowstone, and uh, only only a handful of people in my family know that I am out of the broom closet. The rest of them are. Um, little judgmental so uh but I, you know I, I didn't want to like you know uh you know leave anything behind so uh I basically i made a kind of a travel uh bag out of a tool bag um my family knows that i carve i carve wood and, and things like that so I, it was it was very easy to kind of slip under the radar but like in this uh tool bag i have uh i was able to fit my uh, uh tarot cards my uh my runas um uh some incense uh and when i when i got there um, after we set up the tents and all that, I found a, uh, a small stick and, uh, I just took the bark off of it. I took a Sharpie, you know, we didn't have any power to, for me to use like a wood burner. And I just, I, I drew a couple of runas. I drew a face. Um, and, uh, that, I made that like a little, like, uh, um, it's not Tagatis, Tagatis is house spirit, but like spirit of Yellowstone itself kind of, so I, I just made like a little, a little bell while right then and there, right then and there to, uh, Kind of honor the spirit of the forest um and uh the the first day we got there uh i did like uh, just a quick impromptu um like ritual slash prayer it was very informal um uh just for our our safety and our well-being because uh, yellowstone is a very dangerous place uh my actually i might have it over here somewhere uh where is it where is it she's got it here somewhere ah they actually at Yellowstone. They actually sell this. Um, it's a book that documents all of the the ways people have died in Yellowstone. Oh, nice. Yeah. Is um, it like going to the museum where you only hit the gift shop on your way out? Or is it yeah, we <laughs> yeah we 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 we've looked at it on the way in, but we actually bought it on the way out, so we she so had something to read for the nine hour car ride back to uh, <laughs> Eastern Washington, but. Um, so we were very aware how dangerous it was. We just didn't really know the details until we were leaving. We we're like, holy crap, we could have died like this way, this way, and this way. Um, so, it uh, probably wouldn't have been the uh, most comforting bedtime reading in those tents. Um, <laughs> you would think, but uh, my my fiance and I we love uh, like watching true crime stuff and scary and scary movies and things like that. So it um, it actually would have helped her out for some reason. Um, but anyway, but uh, but the, the day we left, uh, I made a uh, I made an offering to this little um, impromptu Delwa I made, and uh, you know I thank the I thank the spirits of Yellowstone for having us and keeping us safe and having no one being eaten by a bear because there were a lot of them there and um uh and for a safe trip back home and uh yeah so that there's that experience uh for me that's awesome that's pretty excellent yeah um amazing place if you guys ever, if anybody, any of you ever get a chance to go um just breathtaking sights um but yeah don't if if, if a sign says stay out stay out <laughs> Yes, Good I've heard that about. Yeah. Good advice. No one gets I was, uh, by a... Sorry, go ahead. 
<laughs> and I was to say, I was lucky enough that um, I think it was my Del Bus you were working on on that trip. Um, I was. I was yeah. Yes, yes, because you, you sent me a little souvenir from the park that I still have up with, with all of my, my Del Bus up That's here right. on my altar. That's right. Uh, I remember I um I had my my portable Dremel that was battery powered. So it still had a bit of juice left. So um, when we were visiting, I I uh, I sat down and uh, I was showing my family the the Serona that I had made, and they were all ooing and aahing at it at, while I was working on. Oh, I can't remember the one of the other ones I did. Uh, but yeah, I I was I was working on your commission while I was there. I forgot about that. But yeah, that that but yeah, um, Yellowstone. Yeah, the one one off-topic thing about Yellowstone is that uh, we got to see a lot of bi uh, bison there, buffalo. Um, they are insanely huge and beautiful. I grew up on a dairy, so seeing um, buffalo, which are you know native, they're related to cows. Uh, it was it was really cool, and uh, we actually got really close to one. And I don't, and I don't know why it is, but like the expression on their face and their eyes, they, they look like they knew that they were on the brink of extinction at one point. Like just this, this look in their, <laughs> on their face, that's just these big black eyes, like that just, like they just, they, 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 they're aware, they're aware of their history. They're gorgeous creatures. Yeah. 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 Uh, incredibly dangerous though yeah um, uh, another fun yeah. fact is that uh, Spokane is just 20 minutes down the road for me and the first buffalo goring in Yellowstone was from a guy in Spokane a guy from Spokane <laughs> oh lord yes I've seen I've seen the people taking selfies next to a next to a bison or buffalo yeah. and yeah I'm, I'm, ooh, I, I give I give cows a wide berth. Like I've had someone say to me, "Like, would you be afraid of a cow?" I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> of course. It's huge." Yeah, I, it's I, not I grew... fear; it's respect. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I'm gonna respect its personal space. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, like I said, I grew up on a dairy, so um, I've I've lived with cows most of my life, and yeah, um, there is respect. Once a cow moves, just just get out of the way. Don't. Don't, don't don't you're not gonna out muscle a cow <laughs> i'm sure people have tried oh yeah <laughs> um uh so this is uh i mean obviously we've been talking about like and sharing experience about like impromptu and kind of small scale rituals and stuff um I know when I do have the time and I do like plan out like a, a larger ritual, I do have like this uh, aluminum torque that I made the, uh, and a couple like pieces of regalia that I like to put on just to just to make it a little more formal, a little more you know fancy. If, if you know, if, <laughs> that's the way I describe it as fancy. Like, does I mean one? Do you guys apply? wearing regalia or jewelry in any way and um whether you do or not like how do you what's your uh, thoughts on on people who say who because i know some people think that you like you have to have like the whole get up or you you know uh just like what, what are your thoughts on like regalia and jewelry J jewelry <laughs> well i have um a lot of a lot of um votive jewelry i'm actually right now wearing um, a bracelet with a snake charm that I wear for Serona and um, a pendant. It's a river stone with a carnelian set into it that uh, just 
shouted Brigantia at me. Um, she kind of claimed that one as soon as it got here. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of wearing votive jewelry, but I don't think it needs to actually be anything that special um, in the terms that it doesn't have to be expensive or specially made or identical to what the ancients would have worn or anything like that. Um, I think all of that can add to it. And, you know, if, if someone wants something that's historically accurate, that's wonderful. Like, go for it. That stuff is cool as hell. But at the same time, if all you have is some embroidery floss and you want to braid together a few colors that you associate with your deity and wear it around your wrist like a friendship bracelet, that is just as valid. So that's kind of my attitude towards it. Yeah, it's, um, I love I love all the all your pieces of jewelry and your your little devotional pieces. I love I love seeing those. <laughs> um, for for myself, I have I start out with two little cheapo uh, elastic bracelets that um, I think picked up online a long time ago um, as part of a morning ritual where I don something to to you know ask for the devil's protection throughout the day. And that isn't necessarily part of my practice anymore, but it's expanded that I have a couple of like stone bead bracelets that my wife's made, a leather one that um, a friend made for me, um, my wheel that I now wear, it's just kind of expanding, but it's not necessarily part of the ritual. Those are just things that I wear on the daily, but for, for ritual, it's when it's just me, I don't necessarily... I'm not too choosy about what I'm wearing. I try to put on something, something comfortable. If it's if it's a like a holiday, if I take a shower just before, I'll put on something comfortable, and try to wear something relatively presentable. I do eventually want some robes. I'm just maybe I'm just extra like that. I just I love the, the idea of having garb or a ritual. It's especially when I'm doing a ritual on camera that I just feel like I gotta look the part. It's a little bit of imposter syndrome, I'm sure, but like that just that adds it adds to it. But I don't necessarily have anything right now that I'm that I wear particularly for it. There's been a lot of talk um, online about um, uh, veiling, um, particularly you know from the Gallo Roman side that it was part of the Roman um, influence that came in, um, and we don't necessarily know than anything uh, previous to to the Roman writings about what Gaulish uh, ritual, not stated, we don't know anything about it, but, but we don't necessarily know if bailing was part of it the, before the Roman influence. Um, so it's something that I've, I've thought about and a lot of people say that helps them focus on what they're doing, that the, at the very least, the act of putting something on helps them essentially um, like it's the same reason that I that I wash my face and my hands when I start a ritual. That it's just acknowledging that that's what I'm there for, um, and that that I think is a is a pretty interesting uh, a pretty in interesting take on it. And that, that's something that I've I've considered doing or incorporating into my practice. Um, yeah, it's not something I've necessarily incorporated yet, but it's something that I'm really interested in. And if I ever get some robes, then yeah, I'll. I'll definitely be <laughs> be rocking those, but maybe that's just because I like metal a little too much. Um, that might be a little bit of that influence. 
coming in, I'll admit, but I think the idea of wearing something for, for a major, yeah, exactly. So something for a major ritual, um, like a holiday that, that has significance head to toe wearing something for that, that task. Um, I've never experienced it, but it, it seems like something that I'd like to try, but uh, I, don't, I don't think it's necessary. Uh, Junior Trust, you got any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I don't actually have any jewelry myself. I'm, I'm not, I don't really wear any before I became, you know, religious or anything. So it's fairly, uh, just didn't really seem like it fit, but I recently got engaged and have been writing out and planning a ritual to ask the gods for blessing. So my engagement ring, I guess, will be a devotional jewelry in a in a certain way well congratulations first off um and actually uh when you uh when uh, when you write uh like something down like for a uh kind of a wedding thing i because you know my fiance and i are planning on uh, on doing like a small scale just probably like her and i maybe a couple of people like ceremony and i and i want to um i want to write out something i'm just not sure how i'm not i'm not sure how uh, a gallus wedding would be uh performed so yeah i mean if you got any like tips or something like that it's just uh like dm me those yeah for sure uh and um two, two more questions before we get off here i know we've been on here for an hour now so that's great um uh i remember the last time uh we you know part one of the 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 first time that we tried recording this uh artua you uh, uh i remember you, at the time uh you were wearing i i can't see you now but you were wearing uh a veil and you talked about veiling and that was actually a, a really neat discussion um do you uh want to kind of go into uh, veiling yeah yeah i'd be glad to um so veiling for everyone who doesn't know, um, anyone who's listening, um, is really essentially just the act of covering your head. It doesn't have to be any specific style, any specific item. It can be a hat, a handkerchief, a, an actual veil. Um, and, and the purpose of veiling is really twofold. Um, it's meant to kind of protect your own energy and protect you from anything external to yourself, act as just sort of an extra layer of security. And it's also meant to be kind of an act of piety, covering your hair. Think about the way that um, Muslim women cover their hair or uh, Christian nuns, anything like that. So there's a very similar vein. And it's something that you can do not just in a ritual setting, but also on a daily basis. You know, I have um, a lot of issues with anxiety and sometimes I feel more secure going out into the world just with that extra layer of protection, <laughs> just knowing, okay, I'm covered. I, I took this moment to kind of connect to my own guides, to the spirits, to my ancestors, to the Dewoy, in covering my head and asking for their blessing. And, you know, you can uh, use anything. I, I've used headbands before to, to veil. 
you know, anything that covers your head in any sense. Um, again, on the topic of people who are still in the broom closet, there is no reason you can't use a decorative uh, barrette or a hair clip or a hair tie, something like that, that you've put the intention into. This is gonna protect my energy. Wearing this is an act of devotion, an act of piety. I'm going to, you know, use it in that sense. Um, so veiling is something that's, I think I've seen more frequently um, in the last, the last few months in, in a lot of different communities. And it's funny you say that because uh, since we had that conversation, um, I had gotten into the habit of wearing in like my little icon on, on my social medias now is that little drawing of me with, because uh, commonly today I didn't do it, but uh, I wear a bandana, which kind of covers most of, you know, covers most of my head and it gets my hair out of my eyes, but it, it but I, I, I also deal with anxiety and yeah, it really does help. Uh, uh, you know, in a weird way. Um, so it's, it, yeah, um, it was just funny because I, uh, when you explained it the first time, uh, not long after that, I just started wearing bandanas everywhere uh, to mainly, mainly just keep my hair out of my face. But um, it, it, it was really cool to know that there was a, uh, like a more spiritual feature to it. Yeah, and I realized that the two examples I gave historically were both uh, female, but yeah, there's a long history of men covering their heads too, um, not only in liturgical situations, but think about how six wear their turbans. Um, you know, there's, there's a long history of that. And uh, whether there is some supernatural, you know, um, protection going on, or it's just the comfort of taking that moment while you put it on and thinking, okay, I am protected, I am safe. It's really powerful. It's a really powerful, very easy everyday thing you can do. Absolutely. And um, I know uh, we, it, and, and like you said, in, in the, some of the examples you gave were like, uh, you know, um, the, the Sikh and, uh, um, Islam, uh, I know, uh, and, and there's examples of it in, in various different cultures. Um, uh, like, a, uh, when I wrote my article on the, the Germanic goddess Nerthas, she's described as a veiled goddess. So it's not, it's, it's not just part of like one of the big three Abrahamic religions. It is a very multicultural thing. And, and also, like you said, it's not just a, uh, it's not just a man or not just a, a female thing or a woman thing. It's it, anyone can do it. And then, um, uh, lastly, uh, um, you brought this up a couple times there, Tatis, is the, uh, the fact that beforehand you would, uh, wash your hands or something like that. I typically will take a full on shower before I do any kind of like bigger ritual at the very least. Yeah. I wash my hands or wash my face. Um, uh, it, it's, I mean, so that you, you, in a way you kind of, you answered that question is like, is there any like pre or post ritual, uh, that you, that you do? And, um, the most common one is typically washing hands and face. Yeah. So, um, I generally try to take a, take a shower before a ritual. If, um, if it's a, if it's a larger one, if it's, um, like a holiday and this sort of thing. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't feel like I can focus 
otherwise like it's it's like getting into bed after like a long day of of heavy labor and you haven't taken a shower and you're just like oh i'm getting sweat all over my sheets this feels gross like (laughs) so i try to i want to feel like fresh when i come come to my altar um and and doing the the dipping my hands in the water and and rinsing my my hands and what i do is i rub water i'm just trying to my hands out of my camera i i warned you ahead of time that i, I speak with my hands a lot but <laughs> i i rub i i rub the cold cool water on my eyes and that particularly gets me like um in the moment it's my my preparation uh, ahead of virtual i don't have a good wind down to be honest like i do the drinking the drinking the water and that that generally symbolizes like i don't do it at the very end of the ritual um um but i I feel like it's something that is actually missing from my my practice, from my my format, if you will. So I'm curious to to hear what other people might have might have to say. Uh, Drew, Ardo, I'm putting you on the spot. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I actually I actually do something similar where I I find myself wanting. Uh, just to drink something afterward, a drink of water, a sip of tea, something. And, uh, you know, the more I learned, like that was always kind of an instinctive thing for me, but then learning about how feasting played into um, ritual in, you know, in, in ancient times, it makes a lot of sense to me that there would be um, like a feasting element, even if that element is as simple as getting yourself something nice to drink, you know? So, yeah. Oh yeah, like a good feasting celebration. Um, my first ritual that I ever did was I think an Iponalia ritual, uh, an ADF one. And part of it is you, I don't, I don't remember if it was like a specific thing or if it was just a suggestion in it. But it, I was, I we ate a meal before finishing the ritual, and it was just, it was, uh, it was a great experience. And it's something that I've done a few other times. I think maybe one more, one more time. But it's something that I love. I love doing just as, as part of that hospitality act, the, the exchanging of, you know, I like the idea of having a meal with the Dewa that you've invoked them and they're there for it. And then you, you thank them for, for being there with you when you're, when you're done eating. I love it. Also just love eating, but you know. <laughs> same, same, yeah. Uh, Drew, you got any thoughts before we, uh, before we head out of here? I think um, Natata Sonato are quite good at covering all the bases. And I was trying to get you to, to talk a bit more, but um, they, yeah, um, Natata Sonato are very, uh, very informative. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, like, uh, is there anything maybe you can, like, something that you do uh, before or maybe after uh, a ritual or a prayer or something? Um, for me, one thing I do always before my prayers I have a little and after is I have a little bell that I ring and I think over time my brain's just sort of associated that with ritual time so it just puts me in a state of calm and ease and then at the end of the prayer after I've given it and after I've rung the bell I just sort of sit there and just feel anything there is to feel and that helps me I've had some pretty positive experiences and you know, I had little bits of pieces of information in my head just 
come together right at the end. You know, like the gods are just going, oh, okay, you almost got this, just put this together a little bit more and now, yep, you got it. That's awesome. I, I, I've, I've heard of something like that. I just can't place, I, I can't place where I've heard about the bell ringing before and after, but that's really cool. I might, I might want to try that out. I think um, Renatoris also does that. He has a cowbell that he rings. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Okay. Well, um, thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, I know it was uh, um, very difficult to try to organize all, all four of us to be here, um, but I, I really appreciate all four of you or all three of you guys. And um, um, this was a wonderful conversation. And uh, uh, if there's uh, any like any kind of like uh, blogs or uh, anything you guys want to like uh, promote, like maybe the, the Discord server, if that's a public thing or um, just any information you guys want to uh, just pitch out there. Yeah, so you can find us on Discord um, either through Gulchat or through our website, uh, followersofthewheel.org. Um, summersworn.com still redirects to there because that was the first URL we bought, but <laughs> I won't confuse people too much. Followersofthewheel.org. Um, but yeah, we're, we're pretty active on Discord. Our website has some good info on it too. We, uh, we're going to put up some, some new content uh, before this podcast uh, airs, so hopefully um, we'll be able to, to keep adding to it over the next couple months and, and keep adding fresh content. But um, I really appreciate you, you having me on. It was, it was a great conversation. I, it's, yeah, no uh, it's, it's good. I, I, I listened to a few episodes that I missed uh, before, before coming on, but uh, it's a great podcast. I really appreciate it. No problem. It was, it was an honor to have you and that lovely voice of yours on. I know everyone, everyone comments about how <laughs> <laughs> just how beautiful that voice is. It's, they keep making me do rituals. I don't know what I'm doing, but I think they just want to hear me. <laughs> that's 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 probably I, that's, I was I would say that's what it is. But anyway, thank thank you one more time for all, all three of you guys. And um, yeah, I will keep you all posted up when uh, when this comes out, so you guys can share it, let people know that it's about to air. Um, but yeah, thank you again. Um, all right, I'm going to stop recording. <laughs> Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Gallcast Podcast. Uh, we do appreciate your patronage, and we are happy to continue providing our podcast. Um, you can find us on social media uh, under Gallcast for just about everything, Instagram, TikTok. Um, our website is gallcast.com, and on Twitter, we are Gallcast Podcast. Uh, so please do make sure that you tune back in, and uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right.